Hello, and welcome back to the Corner of Gray Street podcast. I'm Bruce, and as per usual, I'm joined by Mr. Nolan. Bruce, what's up? How's it going? Uh, we're joined by a special guest this week. Oh, yeah. You better believe it. Very special guest. Um, a lot of you may know him as, well, the future opener for the Dave Matthews Band, Night 2 of Gorge this year. But really, he's a, an extraordinary singer, songwriter, and storyteller, Mr. Rustin hey. Kelly. What's happening, Rustin? What's up? Uh, lots is happening. Shows are happening. This is exciting. An exciting time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, man. This is a uh, this is super exciting. We actually had a listener of the podcast um, recommend that we speak to you. Um, you know, we we didn't think of reaching out to really anybody during the tour for an interview, and they were like, "You need to reach out to this guy. He's super interesting. Um, his music is awesome." And we're like, "Well, we're going to see him at the gorge." So, yeah, exactly. So Let's we go. might as well. <laughs> yeah, dude. So and like. I mean, a little over a week, you'll be playing at the Gorge opening for for Dave and uh, and playing uh, before Robert Randolph and the family band. And you'll be promoting your second studio album, Shape and Destroy, that came out almost exactly a year ago to the day. So congrats on the one year anniversary. And uh, and we can't wait to hear that music live. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, really, you know, throughout everybody, we're going to touch on his music for sure. So to start out, I know you guys are itching <laughs> to hear, you know, him, all of his love for Dave, how he's connected to DMB, him playing at the Gorge and all that. But we want to dive into really uh, his past, present and future of his own music because he's an extraordinary musician on his own. So, um, you know, give us the lay of the land here, man. You were born in South Carolina, I believe, raised kind yeah. of all over the country and now you're in Nashville yes you nailed it yeah I've been in Nashville like uh 15 years now and I didn't even come here to play music like uh my (laughs) my sister moved here and went to college here and like it was a free place to stay and I was like okay well looks like I'm gonna be going to Nashville I didn't really have a have a steady job or anything like that so I just kind of bummed around with her and just like one of those things that Nashville is such a saturated town, like you can't, you know, swing a dead cat without hitting a musician or a songwriter or an artist or a producer or engineer, like whatever. And I just like met a couple of people and got in the room with them and played them some of my songs. And they're like, those are, those are pretty sick. You should play them for like my publisher. And it's like, you know, this publisher is like, oh, that's really cool. You want to like write here for a little bit you know, for other artists. And I was like, I don't know. And then I finally was able to pick like the right publisher and I went the publishing route. But the interesting thing before I did that was I was in this jam band called Elmwood. No one's ever heard of it and no one will ever hear of it. And it's like, I, my, it was me on acoustic guitar sack. And we had Donnie Marple, who is, was the guitar center's national drum off champion. Um, So he was, he could do everything that Carter could do. Um, And we all got together because of like our love for Dave and me and the bass player were writing these songs that were like super weird time signatures. I was listening to nothing but before these crowded streets at the time that and like smells like teen spirit. And so it was like this quartet that 
was it was like under the table and dreaming situation but like on acid it was um (laughs) it was aggressive and like clearly a rip you know of like dave except you know we didn't have a fiddle but uh we that's how i got started in the industry is like i was in this jam band and we played at this place called french quarter cafe in nashville which is now called crying wolf and the owner of paradigm talent agency who represents dave matthews band was there happened to be there at the time that we played and he was like you guys are really fucking awesome and i was like okay and he's like why don't you guys come into the office tomorrow we're like freaking out and uh they signed us the next day uh, which is pretty unheard of yeah and they put us out with like tea leaf green with g love we did a couple side stages for dave um never got to open for him though and i just was like so bummed about that and we just hit the road like that's how i got my start in the industry as a touring artist in a van you know bunch of dudes in a van playing you know 200 days a year at frat houses and all that shit yeah and then got a publishing deal and i was writing all the songs you know for that that band me and the bass player but i was writing all the lyrics and I just transitioned into like kind of what I'm doing an extension of what I'm doing now. So yeah, there, there you have it. That's awesome. How, so how long did that, um, did that happen for? That was from 19 until about when I was 26. And okay. a lot of that trajectory was slowed down by, uh, substance abuse so like before I even signed to anything like it was a classic story being on the road and someone's like all right it's your turn to drive why don't you take this pill and I was different than everyone else it's like I took one pill I never done any drugs in my life and next thing I know I was just like in rehab you know at 23 doing every drug and my career was like I was writing better because I was understanding myself better through the trials of what it means to be a human being and suffering at your own expense. So like my songwriting took a new shape of kind of a, a, a salvational tool for myself. Uh, but as far as like making gains in my career, it was not like great. I was like living in my van at one point and a lot of ups and downs. And it wasn't until I was like 26 and I made my EP Halloween uh, that things started to go in the right direction yeah gotcha oh, so that's, uh, that's amazing yeah i'm glad uh i'm glad things turned around in that direction for you um was i guess one of the things we read about you and uh seemed like one of those like starting points was when you wrote a song for tim mcgraw so where does that <laughs> fall in that like in that time span I don't know, man. I uh, got lucky with that one. That provided me with like a job, you know, Mm. Um, that was right before I made my EP and I had no interest in like writing for country musicians, especially like mainstream country musicians. That just was not my bag at all. Uh, But I had like a knack for writing kind of any type of song and I would just sit down and these Nashville writers, man, they love to like drink fucking whiskey. So they just put a bottle in the middle of the table. And, you know, at that time in my life, it was like Energizer Bunny. If you gave me some whiskey and pills, it was like, bam. And we wrote that song like in a couple hours. And then 
um, a publishing company came to me and was like, Hey, you want a salary to do this all the time? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I absolutely do. I got to plug this Good in. decision. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great decision. It, it definitely like taught me the discipline of songwriting because I'd be writing for other artists during the day, like a day job. And then I would go home, you know, and write my own work on my own shit. So I was just constantly, you know, working on the craft of writing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously you play more than just guitar. You do more than just sing. Um, yeah. Harmonica, I think you do some piano. Which yeah. one came first? And, you know, which one really kicks you into being like, okay, I can be a musician. Guitar, acoustic guitar. Yeah, that was that. I mean, that was a huge draw to Dave. It was like doing, you know, so many complex and really beautiful, intricate acoustic guitar parts that were so percussive at the same time that this lended itself. Like I grew up listening to Jackson Brown and like James Taylor and, you know, like Nirvana, the unplugged set and like dashboard and all that. And then when I discovered Dave, it was very, I was like, well, this is a whole nother thing of like a guy and a guitar. It made me feel like it was like, you know, there was no limit to what you could do with an acoustic guitar. So that's really what kind of, you know, music really took off once I dove into the guitar itself. I feel like, I don't know if me and Bruce are the same way with like listening to Dave on an acoustic guitar, like, it's nuts. In high school, we picked up an acoustic guitar because of it, and we can't sing, so <laughs> we didn't go very far. But warehouse, if you can play warehouse, yeah. you know, at a at a you know some sort of party, like it's just kissing a girl central. That was my. <laughs> I was like, oh damn, I didn't know like you like these deep cuts that I can play on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned only, uh, yes. <laughs> no hits no hits uh you mentioned that james taylor was kind of an influence which i hear that a lot in some of your riffs yeah um, i also hear in your voice um some ryan adams for sure just kind of in your overall yes. approach. but i don't know if you know uh dallas green from city and color um yes man we're actually like we're internet friends yeah okay. we um we communicate uh you know here and there over over instagram Okay. I was like, man, his voice just reminds me so much of his. Um, so that's just such an incredible melting pot of musicians, including Dave, just to throw it all in. So for those of you that haven't really listened to a lot of um, Rustin, pick those out. Um, you'll be able to hear a lot of those influence and stuff. So other than those, you know, who was the, who was your favorite musician? I mean, you even like some uh, heavy metal and like punk music as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, Misfits, you know, were, were big for me. I really like Hatebreed. I, I mean, I still love these bands. Like Pantera, you know, it was a bit Crowbar. Fucking love Crowbar. Um, yeah, and like Eminem's uh, lyricism was huge thing for me. Dylan, of course, like I didn't get Dylan at first. And I just had like one of those clicking moments where I was like, okay, I like Dylan now. Like, I, I get it. Uh, and that was a big influence. Jackson Brown for sure, Brian Adams for sure, um, you know, and then like Woody Guthrie and like Lead Belly and like all and all of those people are tied to get like Kurt Cobain was a massive Lead Belly fan, so it's no surprise to me that like I, I, I was right there too, you know, Carter family, Cash and all that. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we definitely like some of the some of the same music. And uh I guess, you know, starting off with your Halloween EP one. Yeah. Is that an ode to to the DMV song Halloween? Because there aren't <laughs> many Halloween songs. To be honest with you, that is my that is my all-time Dave song. Oh, um yes. and it stuck with me for a long time. And I just like I love the aesthetic of Halloween, which is like part of why I like loved that song i love like to name a song halloween is like it's pretty punk you know and if i remember correctly stefan was the one during the uh not during before these crowded street sessions because that was already a song i think in 92 and they were playing it live at tracks and stefan was the one that was like you should growl more like you should scream like get into that grunge zone because he was like the kid of the group so that would make a lot of sense. Like, you know, Pearl Jam, Sonic Youth, and Nirvana were like all banging around that time. So I just think it's really cool that I don't know that it all fit together. And I kind of took that as like a theme of intention for the not just like my first record and slight ode to my favorite Dave song, but that's really like the quality of life I was living at the time, you know, with all the drug use. Like, I feel like I was living in like a haunted carnival and it all made sense yeah gotcha that's funny i mean that was when i started listening to it i was like the first came to mind i was like hmm i wonder and um, you're right you nailed it dude nailed it yes <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i mean you can like kind of tell that that was a theme throughout this ep mm -hmm. and i'd say um your first um lp as well but um i don't know i was kind of just like blown away from the start of that that ep with black magic and everything it's i mean thank you so good <laughs> thanks man i mean i i it's purposeful for me as far as like that ep was like the prologue to a larger story and i always knew that but i wasn't sure you know how the book was going to be finished um and then dying star came around and then shape and destroy and they, they all they all tell the same story but like at different you know points of it happening to me in my life, you know, through a series of, of events. Uh, yeah. So it's all, it's all connected to me. Which is huge. That's what uh, I was going to ask you about that because it really, um, especially Halloween. And then as I kind of went through your discography and stuff, it, there is a lot that I crave from studio albums and that people are now craving more from the Dave Matthews band as we get further into their career is that cohesion, fluidity, storytelling, mm -hmm. Um, and then the production element as well, that like stuff that can't be reproduced live, you throw that stuff in there. Halloween itself is almost like one long track and you could listen yeah. to it, uh, close your eyes and you're like in the dream sort of state. Um, and then you come out, you know, with the next one, Dying Star. And like you said, it's a continuation of that story. How did you, how did you pick back up the guitar i guess so to speak after nailing it really on that first ep to where you're like i'm going into full studio album mode here and mm. but i'm continuing what i was doing i feel like that's a tough thing to do yeah i, I don't know I, I i guess it was just more there's still more to be said about what's going on you know and i i'm gonna make records that I, I can't help but to be, you know, complete reflections of what's going on in my life. That's my intent as an artist. I don't really write songs like uh, Jason Isbell is a great example. He's a friend of mine and 
phenomenal musician and songwriter, but he can write a lot as being a character. Um, I've tried that at this stage in my songwriting career. That's just not, you know, what I, what I feel drawn to. So to me, I'm not saying it's like, oh, it was easy. Like, but it was, it was easy to like continue unraveling that, you know, knotted string. It was just like, okay, we'll find the knot, pull it out. What else do you have to say? What else is left to say on this thread? You know? Well, I've got one, one thing that we can dive in on this thread. And I was listening to Blackout, which great song. Uh, but then Thanks. the line about arguing LeBron with your friends stuck out to me because that's like, uh, we love basketball. Um, yeah. We're, we were hoopers, but okay, where do you stand on the LeBron debate <laughs> then? I think LeBron is fantastic. My point was I was talking to a, a writing friend of mine over beers at the bar and it was like noon and you know uh the last night's game was i can't remember what game it was lebron was playing it was just like man said he's he's the best player that's you know that's graced the court and and my friend was like mj's the best player and i was like fine like you can be and me and him always had this like like rivalry towards like songwriting and stuff. And I'll be like, fine, you can be MJ and I'll be LeBron. It was like the first thing that we <laughs> agreed on, you know, with anything. So that was, that was it. I was just doodling on a bar napkin talking about how much I liked LeBron James. <laughs> That's hilarious. I like I that stuck that. out because yeah. it was so different from, from the rest <laughs> of the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Sounds like some of Nolan and I's text messages about LeBron. <laughs> oh, all the time. I think Bruce would be the LeBron. I'd be the MJ in, in this one. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm as big of MJ fan as anybody, but I think that, yeah, overall as a player, like, I mean, come on, geez, he can do so much more. Anyways, um, I had one question <laughs> and to, to take you back to the Halloween EP because, man, I freaking loved it. Uh, the song Poison. As I kind of delve more into uh, your stuff, I saw that, you know, you were playing it back in 2011, uh, maybe even earlier when did you write that song and what's the true what is poison in that song because i kind of interpreted it as one thing but i want to know if, if it's like a universal thing or mm. if there was one thing specific there okay yeah like not to like completely name drop but i was hanging out with jackson brown in la um it was just like matt he he's him and Dave and Kurt like are my biggest influences. So the bees sitting in the room within his office where he wrote all these songs. And he told me something really interesting. He was like, you know, cause he's the same way. I don't, he doesn't really write like through the lens of someone else. It's like through his own perspective. And he's like, I wrote this song called for a dancer. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, like I've never heard of that song before. And uh, he's like, you know, I thought I wrote it about a friend of ours in my crew, like, you know, that was a wild child and died, you know, at an early age, like through drugs or whatnot. And, you know, he just told me that as he played that song, he realized like that it was about a relationship that he had more than it actually was writing about that kid. And with the song Poison, I initially wrote that song early 2011 into 2010 and I wrote it for a friend that was going through a really bad breakup but I had no idea how by the time I recorded it on Halloween how much that would apply 
to not just drug use, but like the relationship that I was in at the time, I was almost like eerily to a T, even to like Rosemary Beach being mentioned. Um, and that's that's why like I I do believe that songwriting is a is a mystical art form. There have been times that I've written something, I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but like I need to say it. And then like six months later, like it'll happen. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. So poison was initially about for someone else. And then it became a very, very personal song. And it's one that like, I don't really like playing it live. A it's fucking so long. Like it's the longest yeah. song anyone's ever written. Um, <laughs> and, and it's like, why like put myself every once in a while, like when we go out for encore and shows, I think the last time I did it was on Houston. Uh, someone kept like a few people kept screaming poison. And I was like, you know what? It's time to bust it out. And so I did. Yeah. Spoon, Dave. Dave. Spoon. Spoon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. Come on. Exactly. I'm gonna be, exactly. I'll, I'll be the person yelling from the lawn. Poison. <laughs> Gorge. So if you Let's hear go. anybody yell that, yes. that'll be yeah. me. That'll be us. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So you got um dying star and then yeah a lot of people have had trouble with that sophomore slump but you did not with shape and destroy dmb did not uh with crash and uh sure didn't so you're in good company there but uh <laughs> yeah can you just kind of um tell us about this album that came out during the pandemic yeah um so like Shape and Destroy was a mantra that I came up with. I said, when I got clean, I mean, it goes without saying, that was really difficult. It was a very, very, very difficult thing. Not because of the physical withdrawals. Like, I could get through that. I'd done that before. It was more the maintenance of staying clean and the, the, the psychology behind why you did certain things that kept you a certain way, that kept you in a certain mode. And I couldn't find, like, anything that would just like do the trick you know other than writing and it got to a point where I just was like I was at a breaking point I was like you know what if this is what being clean is like I'd rather just like be fucked up all the time because this sucks and I'm like no fun to be around you know and I just started writing I started writing furiously and then just this phrase popped out it's shape the life you want by destroying what obstructs your soul and I was like, well, there's something to that. <laughs> there's something to that. And it was like, I just condensed all of it for myself. And the next day I, I was in the Dominican Republic playing a John Prine festival. And I flew to New York City uh, the next day and we cut the record. And I'd had the song, you know, some of the songs were finished. And I, similar to Dave in a sense of like, I know the lyrics are going to come. They don't always have to be there when I go to, you know, cut cut the song or record the music uh just kind of let it speak and that was my mantra I stepped into that record with like a fiery purpose of like all right like I'm gonna see straight for this you know and uh and I did and I'm super proud of that record it was meant to be sonically a transitional record from Dying Star was very you could call that a folk rock record you call it an Americana record you call it a dark country record like you could you know put it next to a city and color record you know sonically but I wanted to start transitioning into a space that we started to occupy in our live show. Just like, if you listen to Dying Star, it's a, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty chill, pretty sinky, pretty like you could definitely smoke a joint to it. 
And, but live, these songs are taking like such an energetic shape. And I have a lot of, you know, um, gratitude for the Dave Matthews band for, for doing that. When I, whenever I go see a show, it's like they could just take this song and just not just like play it for 13 minutes, but dynamically take it up and down and take the, the, the listener for a ride. And we started doing that with a lot of those Dying Star songs that were like these kind of chill, folky songs that ended up having like a lot of energy live. And I wanted to capture some of that on Shape Destroy, which is why I'm very excited to go. We're moving into slightly bigger rooms and, and venues for this tour. And I think it's going to be like, you know, it's going to have a lot, a lot even more energy. So, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm super excited about it. Um, I'm recording my third record in around December and it's been weird to like, you know, sit on a record for a year and not tour it, but it's great. Um, I think there's like 10 shows are sold out already, which is awesome. That is so awesome. people are ready to get back in the, in the seats, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I know, Absolutely. I know we were ready. Uh, oh, God, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, just to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, you labeled this as kind of a mental health record um, yeah. and a little bit more uplifting, less angsty than the previous ones. And I know it's a kind of like the coming out of the um, destruction from before. So, mm. um, which is interesting. And then the mental health thing, we've all been hit by the pandemic, like this, a big mental health thing. So what, you know, what kind of, how do you tag on to that now a year removed from mm. its release, ready to do it live, do you still have the same, I guess, feelings towards the record or has they, or has that even kind of shifted? That's a really good question. Uh, I would say that they've, you know, I bottled them up because I had to out of necessity for like, there was talks of like, maybe never being able to tour this record. You know, so I kind of had to like leave it in a time capsule as far as how I felt about the record and the intent behind it and save it in case like, because there was talks like we might just go and record record three and, you know, Shape and Destroy is your pandemic record. And that's just what it is. And I knew we were going to be able to tour it. I just didn't know when. So I just kind of put it, you know, to the side and started writing, you know, from where I was at that time. And, and there was a lot more to say you know, past shape and destroy and uh, larger themes about being alive in the world, not just like as a sober person or a fucked up person, but just as being a human being and the things that we all experience. Uh, and so it helped me like by stepping away from it, ironically, like helped me feel closer to it to where like, I cannot wait to tour this record. You know, I cannot wait. And I, and I know that like my fans are, this is, you know, one of their favorite records and I, I think like especially there's a handful of songs that are like their favorite songs and I can't wait to like deliver that you know and deliver that as with with as much purpose as I made it with well yeah we hear you there we can't wait to hear it at the gorge in uh just a little over a week man and uh is that uh, yeah. so the gorge will be your first live performance since uh, early 2020 and uh have you have not played these songs live at all correct no no nope. wow, wow. <laughs> first time stepping on stage at the gorge oh my gosh with dave at the gorge with dave no big deal guys 
<laughs> uh, yeah. That's a dream, no, right? I mean, no, it's like you guys seriously like have no idea. Like it's such a dream. Um, I'm not just like a fan. Like that music really shaped who I am as a person and how I connect with people and the reason why I want to make music. I went to a Dave show. It was like my fourth. Um, here's what's really crazy. Corn Capshaw, as you guys know, is his manager. And I just changed management um, in November of last year. And there's a, a bidding between three companies. One of them was Red Light. And I was like, well, shit, like, do I just sign with Red Light because Dave is at Red Light, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or like, because Corn is at Red Light. And um, I got a call. They had the best proposal. I'll put it that way. And I got a call from a Virginia number. And I picked it up and it goes, yeah, so is this Rustin? And I was like, yes, who is this? And he's like, this is Corn Capshaw. How are you doing? And I was like, uh, shit, I'm doing really good. Uh, and he was just giving me the spiel about red light. And I was like, all right, like no offense, but like, why are you calling me? And why do you want to sign me to red light? And he was just like, I think that what you're doing is really special I think that we can, you know, do a lot of business together. I think that you like you're about to move into bigger venues or whatever, and we want to be the conduit for that. We want to help you get to where you want to get and make an impact, and not just with like your career, but like put money into charities and and be philanthropic about you know success that you have and the success we have together. I was like, well, I'll leave you with this, Corin. I went to go see Dave. And this was circa 2003, and they opened with Pantala, Naga, Pampa, and Rapunzel, which I'm sure you know was rare at the time. And he goes, yes, that was very rare at the time. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I was staying there. I went there with my brother. He was the one that introduced me to Dave. First record I ever got was live at Luther College. And my brother and I were like, you know, we fought. We, were, we weren't super, super close. So we're really close now. And my brother... He's in the middle of, come and relax now. And my brother turns to me and he goes, you're going to do that someday. And that's all he said. And I was like, isn't that cool, Cor? And he goes, wow, that, that is so special. That is very special, Russ. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, dude. Sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. Put that red light tattoo right on my ass. Let's go. Yeah, put that red light. I'm red light life let's go right if there's a sign for it i do it <laughs> exactly but no, nolan awesome. i think that um we need to hire him for the podcast he just did a perfect segue into exactly what we were going to yeah. do which is what everyone probably came here to hear exactly the stuff so yeah, that's why let's i'm start. <laughs> exactly you're not here to talk about you you're here to talk about dave we're just nerding out here um, exactly it's time to nerd when out. did you first hear of dmb what's your Dave Matthews band introductory story. How did they hook you in? Like they've hooked in so many others. All right. So I was on the beach, right? Just chilling. And I was in eighth grade and my brother and his friend had like snuck a bottle of vodka into like our family vacation situation. And they're sitting on the beach drinking probably Gatorade and vodka. And there was this strange sound coming from the speakers. I said, what in the hell is that? I was instantly drawn to it. And it was satellite, 
live at Luther College. I was like, damn, that's cool. And then he played me typical situation from Luther and then Halloween. And then I, next thing I know, I'm like, could not, I couldn't get enough of the songs is what it was. And I, for some reason was like, I don't want to listen to the band. I don't want to, I don't want it to like ruin what I'm experiencing right now. Um, Cause I had heard the song. I did it was the first actual sonic exposure to Dave Matthews band live on SNL. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it at first. <laughs> I was like, I hate this song. Mm-hmm. and now i now i actually like that song but uh when i heard luther college i was like shit and then a buddy of mine who was a drummer who was obsessed with carter beaufort was like let me give you this under the table and drumming instructional dvd and it'll change your mind i was like how how's an instructional dvd gonna change my mind and it changed my mind immediately and i went and i think the first uh band record i heard was live red rocks and I was just like, you know, they opened with Seek Up and Proudest Monkey into Satellite and all the good stuff. And I was like, this is too good. And then I heard Last Stop from Live at United Center in Chicago and The Maker was on there. And that's a song that I cover now in kind of that vein, a little more sad sounding. But anyways, yeah, I just like. I, I died when I heard it. something really, really clicked and I couldn't get enough. I just couldn't get enough constant, constant, constant Dave Matthews band. Well, Nolan, that love that. that'll uh, mark that what he just said about Maker. We'll bring that up later. Yeah. Hell we'll bring yeah. Up later. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I Luther College is just like a transcendent album for I mean, I, the two of us for sure. That say goodbye, I think, on there is like oh. about as perfect as it gets. And Shit, you're right. I could listen that. to that all day. Yep. Great yep. Halloween, too. Oh, yeah. All of oh, it's a good one. Mm. It's all so good. But so you mentioned your 03 uh, concert that you went to with the Pantala Rapunzel opener. Was that your first mm. show? Or what was your mm. first show? And how many have you been to? I think I've been to about because like once I started touring it's like I, I don't feel like I've seen a show since you know I mean I do go like when my homies are playing or like if there's someone in the same town that I'm in but I'm constantly gone so it was uh the last time that I saw them was 2009 it was 2009 that was right when the band Elmwood started touring and it was uh at a uh, Deer Creek in Indianapolis and raven was on the set list and i was like okay uh this is news to me how good this is live um yeah but like i my first introduction to it all was was the live records and that really inspired me because like i feel like i have made some good sonic with sounding records but we're in the middle of mixing live selections volume one and i'd like to continue that trend a la you know the way that dave's done it where the emphasis is really on you know uh, you know what's what's the set list from which live tracks and like when can I get it? Um, I noticed that you had posted I can't remember where but somewhere about regretting not getting Dave tickets one time I think and I think it was a in promotion of your uh, upcoming tour like don't regret not getting Rustin tickets for sure. Was that Dave is in DMB which I would assume that it was and do you remember what show that was that you regretted not getting tickets for? Yes, it was uh, 2000, 
and 11 in Nashville, I believe, at Vanderbilt Stadium. And I I could have, I think it was like, it was like something having to do like the night before I was touring. I can't remember what it was, but I was like, yeah, I'll get them. I'll get it. And then I wasn't able to get it, you know, Mm. like a bummer. (laughs) That is a bummer. Uh, Okay. So you were added as an opener to Gorge Night 2. I mean, I can guess how it came about, but how did that come about? Um, and I mean, what's the anticipation like for that? No, it's well, first off, I was like, listen, Corin, if I sign with your company, I'm going to have to open for Dave. <laughs> and, I mean, I was like kind of kidding. Uh, but they were like, you know, what's, that's just going to happen. And I was like, good. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, the anticipation is extremely high. Um, I've never met Dave before, so that's, um, that's going to be pretty crazy. Um, everyone seems around me as like all my, like, you know, the drummer for Dr. Dog that played the drums on, uh, Eric Slick played the drums on Shape and Destroy. He's like, oh yeah, no, Dave and I, we kicked, we kicked it a ton, a ton. I was like, cool. Okay. I've never fucking met him. My bad. Uh, my agent, my agent, who's like been on the DMB train with me forever. It's his all time favorite band. He was like, yeah, man, I, I met Dave the other day. And I was like, like literally everyone is meeting Dave. I bet my mom has met Dave. And <laughs> I just like, I'm very excited. I may be starstruck. I don't get really starstruck. Like I don't really care most of the time. Like it's like, whatever. Um, but such an impact. I might be more starstruck meeting Carter probably mm-hmm. yeah. seeing his drum kit the goat the goat the True. goat and i hate to break it to you but i also met I Dave a couple this. weeks ago fucking like, a man what the hell and just hiking in the woods so stalking in the woods. really you you met him hiking in the woods stalking in the woods <laughs> yes yes right before he debuted that walking around the moon song about being in the woods nolan that's kind of weird i know that's, oh, what a coincidence yeah. What really happened in those woods, my man? <laughs> <laughs> it's some magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, that's I mean, that's pretty awesome. Um obviously there's no way and I think that you told us um before we started this that you're about to kick off rehearsals. So yeah. Going into this, obviously, it's going to be your first show. What can we kind of expect and what can DMB fans expect from you um and whatever band is coming with you on stage, what can we expect as far as the musicians that are going to be with you and the music that you're going to be mm. putting out, unless you want to keep it all under wraps, which we completely understand too. No, man. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to get, you know, whoever's listening excited about this one. One interesting thing is that my dad used to be in my band for a long time uh, as the pedal steel player and he played synthesizer and you know the we played uh the Ryman Auditorium was the last show that I ever played and that was supposed to be his like farewell show my fans like really love him it's like a kind of a thing TK is what we call him but uh he's decided he wants to play this show um which is a a big treat for everybody then Juan Solorzano is uh you know electric guitar variety of electric guitars we have an auxiliary player to be playing keys high strung guitar uh vocoder i'm obviously playing guitar and singing uh drummer that i've just recently like 
I hope this turns out, but like, I just got a double kick pedal and brought it to him. And I was like, I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to try this in rehearsal. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're opening for <laughs> Dave. I'm going to need you to play the kick twice as much. And uh, yeah, as far as the material goes, like, I'm not, I'm not sure yet to be honest. Like, you know, we haven't even played shape and destroy yet. Like we're going to tool around and see whatever's the best fit. My goal for the show is to put on the best show possible um, given the timing and like how quick, you know, you have a sound check turnaround when you're an opener and just to like, just tear a fucking hole into the gorge. Like that's the plan. You know, the plan did, did is just get, to what, completely like buzz. Yeah. It's about an hour. Okay. It's great. I'm, I'm down. That's, that's plenty of time. Oh yeah, man. It's going to be epic. Epic. Uh, Thanks dudes. Obviously, we don't talk to a lot of people who open for DMB. What the, what's your schedule like going to a place like the Gorge like that? Are you just in and out for the show or what, what goes on with that? Yeah, so, you know, my, um, my family obviously knows how like, big of a deal it is for me to play a show like this. Um, so my, my dad is playing with me. My sister's singing backgrounds. And so my mom was like, well, I want to come. My girlfriend was like, well, I'm, I'm coming. And so it's kind of a family affair. Um, and all the, the people that I play with, like, we're super close. We're like a family already. You know, we've only been working together for a few years. Uh, but as far as my plan is to go and work, like to go and do what I need to do to put on the best show possible, uh, which is like you get there and, you, you know, everything's unloaded and we sound check and feel good about everything test our in-ears and you know eat some catering maybe say hey to dave etc go and like play as hard as we can and then i'm gonna watch the show for sure for sure and then uh my girlfriend and i are staying uh for the second night just as fans so i'm i'm very it's like this is that's the dream it's like oh you can go and see two dave shows and also one of them you're gonna open it's like okay <laughs> oh yeah sign me up yeah Good. twist my arm oh, okay excellent so you yeah no kidding first show since 2009 and you're playing uh opening saturday and then you're sticking around sunday huh yeah 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 excellent excellent Good. oh man yeah that'll be awesome we'll have to uh we'll have to you gotta get a picture dave Dude, we'll have to link up. Like, um, yeah, for sure. I'll get, I'll get management yeah. to send my, my like cell or whatever. You just text me. Excellent. Yeah, awesome. we can definitely do that. Apparently, cell service out there is very good, so we don't have to worry about uh about that being uh, an issue. All right, all right, <laughs> Nolan. Let's 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 get him into one of our favorite parts, which is the rapid fire. We just ask question Ooh. after question and um it's just never ending it never ends so um i love let's it. just go love ahead that. and go through it uh first one is going to be favorite dmd song halloween halloween live on mtv five spot it's by far yeah. the best version they've ever done oh yeah a, the tabernacle at the tabernacle great venue haunted venue so mm. yeah Perfect. oh his scream at the end of that is the best yeah anyways okay oh, yeah. so rapid fire Okay, favorite DB album. Before these crowded streets. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If someone doesn't say that, they're immediately booted off. Um, <laughs> Literally. So you mentioned a bunch of them, but now you have to choose one. Favorite non-DMB artist. 
a favorite non Dave Matthews band artist, uh, Jackson Brown. There you go. A favorite non DMB album. Favorite non DMB album, Carrie and Lowell by Suki Young Stevens. Yeah. Favorite, uh, let's see, favorite venue to perform that you've performed at so far? So far, I'd have to say the Ryman Auditorium in, in Nashville. That would be your answer. Yeah, beautiful. Good answer. Good answer. It's a good, uh, one. It's a good one. Bucket list venue to perform, not counting the gorge. Not counting the gorge. Uh, the Tabernacle. I would say the Tabernacle. Hmm. would be it would be bucket list uh but red rocks let's just be okay honest here. yeah i'd like to do my own to say. show at red rocks yeah i love that That'd i be love dope. that tie it all in together from the live at red rocks 95 i love that um that's right so since you're such a uh, great songwriter storyteller what is your favorite dave lyric or set of lyrics mm. uh that's a really good one. I mean, Halloween, that's part of the reason why it's my favorite song. I think lyrics to Pig are pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would have to say the best of what's around, and I know this is going to sound silly, and it's not even a lyric, but I used it as my senior quote in high school, which is at the very end where they're like, oh, on oh, on that is one of my favorite utterances that that man has ever done. Um, so I'd have to say, I'd have to say that. And I know it's not a lyric. I mean, love is hell. Like, are you satisfied with fucking? That's great. Like, I love those <laughs> lyrics, but um, that's what's around might take the cake for that. Yeah. Love a good that. choice. That's solid. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, our favorite song of yours or song you're most proud of. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, I would say from a songwriter's perspective, the song Brave is, is the one I'm, I'm most proud of. That kind of put it all the struggle, the hope, the desire to be a better person, that my mom will call me brave at the end of it all is what matters most. I feel like I, I did a, a decent job in, in tying that all together. Yeah. I've got one quick that's not on the list and it's not really necessarily rapid fire, but I've thought of it and it's only going to fit right here. Um, for your upcoming record, your third one, do you already have songs written um, or is it going to be all completely new? You're sitting down, boom, ready to go. Mm. Oh no, we got some in the can, baby. Okay. It is. There's, there's quite a bit that's already ready to record. And I, I wait for uh I don't like to have an entire record written like before I go on the road touring another record. I know that sounds crazy, but the last track on, I wrote a lot of shape and destroy, like in the back of the bus. So I'm looking forward to going on the shape and destroy tour and writing some of the third record. Nice. Yeah. All right. Since this could maybe actually happen, what song would you want to guest with or guest on with number 41? Boom. 41. Yeah, second verse. I'll take second verse. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You could definitely hit the note. We saw it I can uh, open it. just a couple weeks ago um, for the first show back in Raleigh there. So, oh, yeah. yeah Crazy we would, opener. 
we'd be down for that for sure. Nolan, tell him uh, what you said when um, we first wrote this. And I yeah. said to pin this later on, what did you say? Yeah, we, but we were like, man, he would kill it on the maker. Oh, bro. Okay. Either, either one of those, I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. We'll <laughs> so see. It'll maybe, maybe be... Corin, yeah, could step in there and, 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 and pull a move. Who knows? But yeah, I, yeah. Hey, you, we'll do yeah, it. We're going to clip this out and put it out into the universe. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And tag Get Russ into guests on the maker. We'll tag corn. <laughs> Dude, so, I would so guess on the maker. I would sing second verse. That's what I would do. It's my favorite one. Mm. Boom. Well, we'll make it happen so that we're going to um, make it, uh, bring it into the universe and just uh, make it happen. And then Dave will obviously let you guest on. I did it. <laughs> well naturally somebody's got to do boyd's part you know <laughs> it's a little soon <laughs> truth. go ahead and wrap for oh, us man. <laughs> no, i would to they... be honest with you i would be so let down he was like yes for sure like come up like honestly we're gonna do i did it you should take boyd's part i would be a little <laughs> bit upset <laughs> i'd still do it though You'd be like, oh, yeah. yeah but i'm, I'm staying out for another song right like there, there's more yeah. to this right yeah <laughs> but can we play halloween later and i'll do the wailing at yeah. the end too oh my god see i didn't even say that one because like i just that i've never seen that song live and i have to see that song live before i die that would be a great one to do i can scream mm -hmm. i can get there yeah but uh Dave, we'll, we'll listening. see <laughs> That's why I also said, um, when you said Maker Nolan, I said Watchtower. Uh, Marcus Mumford yeah. guessed it on Watchtower one time. Um, and I was like, man, Rustin could do that. You know, that would be something that I could also see um, just oh, absolutely, yeah. you know, letting loose on vocally. Oh, dude, another great suggestion. I'd do all of these. I would do all, even I did it. If Dave is like, hey, do this. I'm like, I don't even care what it is. I'm in, I'm doing it. I'd be the yeah. same way. Whatever you say, man. <laughs> what? Fucking aye, aye, Captain. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, man. Um, well, I mean, you know, anything else Dave related that you wanted to get to? Is there something that we didn't ask you uh, before we, you know, plug the tour and, you know, talk a little bit about what's up for the future? I honestly think you covered all of my Dave needs. I feel like uh, this is the best interview I've ever done. I'm like, I was genuinely... <laughs> <laughs> seriously i was genuinely very like i don't mind like doing interviews like i'm a leo like i will talk about myself but uh i i was just like very excited to talk about dave and yeah i i really wanted at some point to just mention how much i love the mtv five spot performance at the tabernacle of halloween but we've covered that so i feel great <laughs> no we no didn't cut that also cut that out that he's the uh the this is the best interview ever we have to put that out there oh yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> oh man well i mean obviously appreciate the compliment but we more so appreciate you taking the time and all of that stuff yes. um yeah and really we cannot it. we cannot wait to see you guys next week um you know thank obviously you, we're man. thank you we can't wait to see dave but now we have um another reason to get into the venue earlier get onto that lawn plop our butts down on the grass uh, even before Robert Randolph gets out there 
Um, and I mean, even better. So what time is, do you know the exact time for your set? What's the set time yet? I'm not sure. I, last time I checked four 30 were doors and we start at six, I think. Okay. Or four were doors. I'm, I, I'm the worst person with that. Like I wake up and I see the <laughs> schedule on the bus wall and I just, I just go. There you go. Well, you heard, you heard well, it here first folks, get into the gorge early. You will see wall to wall great music starting with Rustin then uh then Robert Randolph and then Dave and Rustin will join on stage obviously too um, I mean obviously yeah and look for that sign out in the lawn it says poison <laughs> <laughs> I'm down I'm down oh yes oh, oh yes yeah no well the, the the sentiment is is mutual I really appreciate you guys taking the time and riff, riffing with me oh absolutely, absolutely man nerding on dave is uh is what we do and uh we loved it and we got to plug your your fall tour here too you're you're starting with the gorge your first show but then shape yeah. and destroy north american tour 29 cities starting in san diego at the music box yeah. on october 7th yeah. and uh two sold out shows in your hometown at the ryman so that's that was big time yeah thanks dude we're hustling out there and that's feeling good. And I'm excited to get back out, out on the road. So. Oh yeah. We're, we're upset that you aren't coming anywhere near us though. He, um, Nolan's North Carolina. You guys? I'm Florida. Um, and so, yeah, I think the, was the closest Nashville Nolan? I think it might've been for you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We, we looked at it and we were like, come on, man. I mean, seriously, I'm just going to jip our two states. There... Like that? What the hell? <laughs> there will be more shows let's just put it that way excellent uh yeah there will be there will be more all right perfect and uh and obviously you're writing new music you told us third album's coming you're going to get back in the studio um this winter i guess right yep yep perfect so right. in that case be on the lookout where can people yeah be on the lookout everybody and where can they find that when it comes where can they find your music now where can they buy tickets uh, merchandise you know obviously big t-shirts with your face blown up on it all the good stuff where can they find everything rustin kelly rustinkelly.com is your <laughs> is your one-stop shop <laughs> for all needs rustin <laughs> so yeah and obviously like apple and spotify and whatever they call it now what's it called sphincter or, or tindall or some some title that's what it's sphincter is, a, <laughs> is a part of your body uh whatever these kids are listening to these it's all on everything so tickets and all that is uh rustinkelly.com yeah that's it that's what i got wait easy enough. excellent and then and then follow him on uh, on the socials as well. I mean, you yes. kids, y'all know how to y'all y'all know how to find all that good kids. stuff. So rustinkelly.com, everybody. That's right. um, and if you're at the Nolan, gorge, we better see you at Rustin's opening set. We're gonna yeah, rustle your, up a yeah, bunch of your a bunch of people. We'll be there. Yeah, yeah get you your better. butts and your seats are on the lawn. We'll be telling people Friday and Saturday before the shows when we see them out in the lots. Um, yeah, we'll be plugging you gotta everyone. See this dude. Yeah, Absolutely. and it's his first show back after the pandemic. Like, it's got to be loud. DMB fans have to come loud and proud 
Um, and if not, well, we will chastise you on the podcast until the end of time, um, which I know that they will all cry about. So, uh, <laughs> Nolan, we've plugged him. Why don't you plug our socials really quickly? We'll get Rustin out of here. Let him get some rest. They are about to start rehearsals. Um, yeah. And he needs to rest up for and get packing for next week yeah. if he's, uh, if he's right. going to the gorge. Yeah, well, if and, you're listening uh, well, to I this. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. If uh, if you're listening to this, you can watch the interview on our YouTube channel, The Corner Gray Street Podcast. Follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Gray Street Pod. And if you have any comments, suggestions, ideas like the fine gentleman that suggested we do this interview, DM us, email us, uh, graystreetpod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, appreciate everyone listening. Absolutely. Right. And and not only will we see you guys in Rustin next week at the Gorge, but we will see you next time on the corner of Main Street. No, Dave, it's not the corner of Main Street. Stop saying that. You said it the last two times you played it. We'll see you next time on the corner of Gray Street. <laughs>